This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. From high atop Fox News headquarters in New York City, always seeking solutions, never sowing division. It's Brian Kilmeade. Thanks so much for being here, everybody. It's the Brian Kilmeade Show. Uh, There's just a plethora of you, not good, not big news, not interesting news, just uh, huge news, uh, bigger than life. Uh, We'll discuss it all with two great guests, uh, Governor Chris Sununu, uh, the 82nd governor of New Hampshire, and Miranda Devine standing by. Uh, We woke up to this about a change in Congress, change in the Senate. Uh, We also have uh, monster news at the border, but all of it pales in comparison to what we've learned over the last 24 hours. So let's get to the big three. Now with the stories you need to know, it's Brian's Big Three. Sponsored by Crunch Fitness. Interested in owning your own business in a growing $30 billion industry? Check out Crunch Fitness at crunch.com. Number three. I know some people might be a little bit surprised by this, but actually I think it makes a lot of sense. You know, a growing number of Arizonans and people like me just don't feel like we fit neatly into one party's box or the other. And right there, Mitch McConnell must have fallen over with glee. That is Senator Kirsten Cinema saying yesterday to CNN that she is leaving the Democratic Party, but registering as independent and caucusing, it seems, with Democrats, not with Republicans. So technically not messing with the balance of power, but shows there is no loyalty at all to either party. That's pretty much the way she played it over the last two years. Now it's official what do you think is happening now with Manchin? And what do you think it does for the next two years? Number two. I have to say I am greatly disappointed that more has not been done to secure my release. I'm happy that Brittany is going home today and that Trevor went home when he did. But I don't understand why I'm still sitting here. Neither do I. Paul Whelan. Good for Brittany, bad for America. President Biden decides to give up on the world's premier illegal arms dealer and give him back to Russia at a time in which they desperately need arms. So why would we do this at this time? Well, we'll discuss it. And what the deal was that Donald Trump walked away from that wasn't good enough, let alone a basketball player for an international arms dealer who kills people. Number one. Twitter employees build these black lifts to prevent the disfavored tweets from trending. And then they actively limit the visibility of the entire account or even trending topics. They do this all in secret without informing users. Trace Gallagher with the breaking news last night with Tucker. Twitter files, part two, explosive as shadow banning, which has long been denied, is revealed and names were given. The lying reaches the very top of Twitter with the general public. Uh, will the general public ever trust social media again, should they? Miranda Devine, New York Post columnist, author of Laptop from Hell, leading columnist when it comes to the investigative reporter on the Hunter Biden laptop, and then what branches out from there? 
So, Miranda, I thought about you right away around 6.30 when these uh, the second tranche was dropped. Just to give people an idea, Barry Weiss was given information and some communication that shows the four heads of Twitter, uh, VJ Gotti, I might have mispronounced the name, Yoel Roth, and Jack Dorsey and Pagrag Agarwal, all together would decided who would be shadow banned or not and make sure that the conservative line of thought was squelched and muted. Miranda, your biggest takeaway. Well, I think that this is bigger than Twitter. You know, good on Elon Musk for letting us have a look under the hood Great of on, what's been yeah. going on with their censorship regime. And everything they told us was a lie. They said there was no shadow banning. And here it is explicitly laid out, and it was all on one side. It was all about silencing conservative voices, silencing dissent from the the regime, whether it be the Biden administration, the CDC, you know, federal government, uh, you know, protecting Joe Biden and making sure Democrats win the election. Um, And this is going on at Google, at Facebook, Amazon, you name it. Big tech, that amorphous group of unaccountable globalist corporations, they are an oligopoly, they control... Everything that we think, everything, every view we hear, they are now deciding and intervening in elections. So we are no longer a free country. And I don't know how you can fix that. It is really difficult. But uh, Republican lawmakers have to start really thinking about this and acting quickly. And if there are any Democrats left who care about, you know, protecting the freedoms in this country, they should get on board. But unfortunately, I think they've been pretty much purged from the country. This is an existential threat to this country. And to Ro the world, really. was just on. He's a Democrat. He was just on left wing from the Silicon Valley. He's on and he's, he said some of the same things you just said about how disturbed he is about what's going on. So Barry Weiss says, Twitter files investigation reveals that teams of Twitter employees built blacklists, prevent disfavored tweets from trending, and actively limit the visibility of entire accounts or even trending topics, all in secret without informing users. Flashback to 2018. Uh, When asked, do they shadow ban? Jack Dorsey says, no, we don't shadow ban. Yes, he does. Dave Rubin, my guest this weekend, asked Jack Dorsey, does Twitter shadow ban? He quickly responded in writing and with a text message, no, we don't. We know he does. Now it's been proven. We know exactly who he did. Charlie Kirk, one of the most popular uh, tweeters uh, out there, social media uh, pundits, as well as somebody who controls the young voice in the Republican Party, the conservative movement, he noticed that he wasn't getting amplified. He was never trending. He, he met with Jack Dorsey. He said, this guy's a great guy. Well, I'm sure we'll figure this out. Next thing you know, he virtually disappears from the landscape. And the whole election cycle, Charlie, uh, you know, Charlie Kirk did not play a role on social media. Now we know why. Yes. And look, if you're a conservative on Twitter, you knew it was happening. Um, And it's been crystal clear since Elon Musk uh, bought into Twitter and um, basically got rid of all these content moderators. Um, My 
my follow account has gone up by 40% since he, since he bought the company. And that's the common experience across conservative views. It was only conservatives that were um, were banned or shadow banned. But also, um, you, you know, the consequences when someone like uh, Dr. Jay Bhattacharya, who is an eminently sensible uh, physician who came up with um, the Great Barrington Declaration during COVID to say this is a much more healthy way of dealing with this. You you protect the people who are vulnerable and you let the people who aren't, young people, go about their business, keep the economy ticking over. Uh, and And... Be careful about giving children the vaccine because the, the yeah. downside so bring, outweighs the benefits. So, Miranda, and, so people and, at home should listen to this because, you know, we know about the laptop, but we also know about just voices and opinions. So, Bongino, voice yeah. and opinions doesn't do with the laptop. You know, you were the laptop. This was an explosive October major story that people would have possibly have affected the election and maybe tilted a close election in certain states a certain way. But along the way, over the course of years— Constantly a school of thought with the most, I I guess, the most popular columnists, commentators. They were pushed down in the most popular medium out there that Donald Trump made to be this giant of a of a of a of a player on the on the landscape. But then COVID-19 is a different story. President Biden takes over and he wants you taking that vaccine. And he doesn't want you to hear anything negative about a masks. He doesn't want anyone to get upset yes. that children should be taking a vaccine. That's another phase to this. A Stanford doctor, Jay Bacciaro, who's on Laura Ingram all the time, all of a sudden he finds out that he's been shadow banned. He's been diminished. He's been defamed. Well, we know from uh, the terrific lawsuit that was filed against the Biden administration by the attorneys general of Missouri and Louisiana, as well as Alex Berenson's, uh, the former New York Times journalist lawsuit against Twitter. We know that Twitter has been suppressing those dissenting views and that the federal government has been using Twitter and probably the other social media platforms to uh, suppress dissent. And so anybody who went against what the CDC or what Anthony Fauci wanted to hear, they got shadow banned or or suppressed or banned. Whatever weapons and tools that Twitter had to make sure that they weren't heard, they used. And this was on the direct intervention of the federal government. And, you know, the, the... The New York Post censoring, that's just one element. This was across the board. This was suppressing any criticism of the Biden administration over the botched withdrawal from Afghanistan. This was suppressing any criticism of mask mandates, of vaccine mandates, suppressing the the very real uh, vaccine injuries that were coming up from sensible people like you know, Bhattacharya. Um, And, you know, whatever it was that the Biden administration, the federal government, did not want people talking about or hearing, the social media companies did their bidding in a total violation of the First Amendment. So, So you're getting to the funnel. You're saying all these stories coming together to benefit who? Democrats and Joe Biden, which leads Newt Gingrich to say this, cut 12. What we're going to find out, what we're beginning to find out is that the FBI was deeply involved in all this. We're going to find out, I think, 
at the Center for Disease Control, the Dr. Fauci, who, remember, is a public official. Uh, he's not just a celebrity. Uh, he is a government official with certain obligations and certain responsibilities. And I think we're going to find out all of these people were violating the First Amendment, behaving illegally, uh, and that this is a much deeper and bigger mess than people realize. That's where I think we're heading. And I just wonder if James Baker in his last days at Twitter spent his time, knowing he'd be on the front page of everywhere if he, the longer he stayed, spent his time deleting things, stopping paper trails, communications with the FBI, with Biden administration officials. I'm just wondering if he was able to do that, a lawyer with the FBI background with cyber connections. Well, uh, of course, he'd be able to do it. He has the motives and the skills. And uh, look, he was fired by Elon Musk because uh, it seems from what Elon Musk and also Matt Taibbi, um, who was tasked by Elon Musk to release the first batch of Twitter files last Friday, uh, it seems that uh, there was interventions and deletions as it seems so to me when I saw the batch come out and there was not a word about the FBI's intervention, which we knew from a, a Twitter executive, Yoel Roth, was happening, that the FBI went to them before our story came out, before the 2020 election, and said, oh, there's going to be some Russian disinformation dropped. It's a hack and leak operation, and uh, it will probably be in October and be about Hunter Biden. And, you know, what are you going to do about it? And uh, so that was what they were doing. They pre-bunked our story. Therefore, our story was censored. Therefore, it didn't get the reach it should have. And therefore, it could have affected the election because that we know from polls that there were Biden voters who said they would have changed their vote if they had known. And it was a, such a close election. So, look, the big tech uh, firms were used by uh, the federal government, by various agencies, by the Democratic Party, by the Biden campaign to suppress dissent and to assist them. And they, they were perfectly happy to do that because they are populated by left-wing activists. We can see that from, uh, you know, Yoel Roth and his comments about, um, you know, why libs of TikTok, a Twitter account, had to be banned, why the Babylon Bee, a satirical site, uh, was banned by Twitter uh, because he doesn't think it's very funny. Um, you know, these people Idiots. were, they had too much power. They are crazed activists who do not uh, represent the views and ideologies of the American people in general, but what they're doing is they're changing America. They, this is a psychological operation. This is psychological warfare. It's being orchestrated but somehow, and they are trying to, to change our ideas, change our thoughts, and it's, uh, they, they want to, it's mind control, uh, and it's about rigging elections, but doing so by... by kind of uh, making us think things that aren't true, are true. It's a, a major gaslighting operation. If I think about it, before I even met you, the first time I saw this was the IRS targeting Tea Party. Yeah. Why? Because the Tea Party helped author a 63-seat route from Barack Obama at the midterms. Next thing you know, they gave the NRA. The NRA suddenly has to be investigated. They were so powerful in getting Donald Trump elected. And then the other most popular site at one point was Drudge. Somebody bought Drudge and neutered the whole mm -hmm. site. It's no longer something you even have to go to right now. 
And then they go out and try to defame Donald Trump, who they couldn't control, and they still uh, almost uh, almost lost to Donald Trump again. But in order to do that, they had to get a hold of all social media and find a way to shadow ban and mute the voice that was making such a difference in grassroots journalism away from the Washington Post, New York Times, and all the networks. And they've accomplished all that. And now we're beginning to unwrap what they did. The question is, what are you going to do with this information? And can you stop it? Final thought real quick. Exactly. And uh, that's the really tricky part. Certainly, we can um, break up uh, big tech and um, dilute their power. Um, I mean, you know, we can't be just reliant on one billionaire who believes in freedom of speech um, to ha- to having bought Twitter. And, you know, Google is a huge problem. Google search. How do you control that? Um, I just think that the Republicans, Ted Cruz is on this. Um, they need gotcha. to put their best brains together and, and, and work really on it. And Miranda, yeah, and, and, and let you lead the way with your investigative ability. You do a great job. Miranda Devine, New York Post, thank you so much. Back in a moment. Man, do we have a lot to discuss today. Get on board. Hey, folks, it's your man, Keyshawn Johnson, here to talk about Angie, formerly known as Angie's List, your go-to home services, marketplace for getting all your jobs done well. Now you might be wondering, what exactly is Angie? Well, Let me tell you, it's the nation's largest home services marketplace, connecting over 150 million homeowners with skilled professionals to tackle any project, big or small. As a homeowner myself, I always have things I want to work on for my house, whether it's general home renovations or fun projects like putting in a pool. With over 200,000 pros in their network, Angie makes it a breeze to research, compare, and hire pros, ensuring every job is done well. Whether you're fixing a leaky faucet or planning a full kitchen renovation, Angie's got your back. And get this, folks. Angie's pros aren't just any old contractors. They're your neighbors, often running small businesses right in your community. Plus, they've been rated and reviewed by others in your area. So you know you're getting quality service. So why stress over home projects when you can turn to Angie? From finding the best price to scheduling a pro at your convenience, Angie's got you covered every step of the way. So get started today at Angie.com. That's Angie.com or download the app today to get started on getting all your jobs done. That's Angie, your trusted ally in home services. Out of the gates and ready to go. Hey, it's Hutton Withrow. Hot Mike is here on the Outkick Network. We've got your afternoon covered with the latest sports discussion, and it's available wherever you find your audio. Daily analysis and news. He is hot. I am Mike. Actually, my (laughs) name is Chad. His name is Jonathan. But you get the picture. We're going to bring it every single day. Whatever you want to call us, we'll respond to. We just want you to respond to what we're dishing out every day. And while you're here, we hope you'll subscribe to the podcast, like, subscribe, and share. He's so busy, he'll make your head spin. It's Brian Kilmeade. From a public policy point of view, if if you look at what the government did, I suspect very strongly that there was some government direction of this. I've been involved with this lawsuit uh, that's been brought by the Missouri and Louisiana Attorney General's offices against the Biden administration. And we've uncovered 
tremendous evidence that that there were federal agencies that were part, that were directing social media companies about what to censor, even who to censor. Now, uh, I, if that is actually the case, that, that 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 this blacklisting was directed by the government against American citizens, that's a direct violation of my civil rights. It's a direct violation of the First Amendment, and every American should be outraged. Is a Stanford doctor, one of the leading medical minds in the country, talking about being blacklisted or being squelched or muted, shadow banned because of his view that is counter to Anthony Fauci's view in the government. And he's saying with, I guess, his journalistic arm at Stanford or friends that investigations show this is coming from the government or the and that would be to drill down further. The CDC, perhaps Homeland Security, perhaps he's a danger. So, okay, Dan Bongino's a danger. Mark Levin's a danger. And Dr. Bachara is a danger. Bachara is a danger. This is insane. How are we supposed to get correct information during a pandemic or the next big crisis or war attack if someone else is orchestrating what we know and how we know it? That's not the place we usually live in. I find that in commentary, but not in the news reporting. Information you want. Truth you demand. This is The Brian Kilmeade Show. What I think is important about this decision and and this move is that I'll be able to show up to work every day as an independent and not be, you know, stuck into one party's demands of following without thinking. You know, removing myself from the partisan structure, not only is it true to who I am and how I operate, I also think it'll provide a place of belonging for many folks across the state and the country who also are tired of the partisanship. Senator Kristen Sinema uh, rocking Washington by announcing she's an independent. Will caucus, it looks like, with Democrats, not Republicans, but she is out. That joins Angus King, independent. Bernie Sanders, independent. So she was not going to have a party structure to limit her. And maybe, maybe prevent her from getting six more years without the Democrats rallying for her. But I'm sure they're walking like they're walking through a minefield. They don't want to say anything too negative. Why? Because if he gets too ang- if they get too angry at her, she'll just leave and caucus with Republicans, uh, really shifting the balance of power and putting, uh, you know, co-chair people on each committee. Uh, joining us now is uh, Chris Sununu. He's seen a lot in his day as governor of New Hampshire with his dad and his brother, very successful in their own right in politics. Governor Sununu, with all that's going on, I just want to first stop uh, in Washington. You didn't want to be a senator, but Kirsten Sinema was upset about it a lot, too. And she did not like the party politics. She's out. What do you think about this move? Well, I, I, look, it's, it's an incredibly interesting move. It, I think it's a sign that um, of what and, and reflective of what folks saw in, in this past election, where it's not about partisan politics. But if I can be blunt, at the end of the day, it, it doesn't matter until they start getting stuff done. And, and I'm talking to all 100 of the senators. So it's a sign. It's not like it's not. I don't think it's a huge win for Republicans. I think it's a little inside baseball. But more importantly, is okay. Wh- now what are we going to do with it? You know, I, I can't tell you one of the reasons I didn't run for the U.S. Senate is I kept hearing, well, you can't pass major legislation unless you have 60 votes. Well, Kristen moving to the independence it ain't going to get you to the 60 votes it can switch the balance a little bit she's still going to vote the way she votes in regards of what label she puts on herself let's just see him get something done that, and that's really all i care about i think that's what america wants one way or another move the ball forward 
So uh, I want to bring you to the Brittany Griner swap for the most dangerous man in the world. Is this a, as much as we want an American back, the more we look at this, this looks horrendous. This is a bad decision. Terrible deal. Look, I am so glad that we have an American back. I am glad that she's free. It was a trumped up um, uh, uh, charge to start with, but it is a terrible deal and more importantly, a terrible look for the United States. And, and I believe, more importantly than anything, I think it puts Americans at risk. I think it says to the world, we don't know how to negotiate. We're willing to make a bad deal. Go ahead. See if you can take more Americans on trumped up charges in, in nefarious countries and would be willing to swap them for warlords and killers and people that, that hate really truly hate America and want to do Americans harm. So I'm more concerned about the message it sends and the risk it poses to Americans that might be overseas, not just in Russia, but but anywhere in the world. Because trust me, the whole world watched this deal. um, And and the message was was really clear. This is a negotiation of weakness. Uh, It's great that she's back, but it really sets a terrible precedent for our country. You know who brokered it? The prince of Saudi Arabia, who who the president called, who vilified, says he's a pariah. Remember? I, we we're not going to deal it, with him. It's wild. It's, it's wild. The more you understand, like we're hearing about how this actually came to be, and I'm sure the whole story has yet to be told, um, the more we understand how this came to be. Look, we have a Marine that's been over there since, like, what, what 2018, right? We have, we have folks that fought for this country that are, that are still imprisoned around the world. This just sends a, a, a real terrible, terrible signal. Um, so who knows? I mean, we'll see what comes of it. But this, this administration has to understand this, that Joe Biden has to start preaching. He is the president of the United States. He has to lead from strength. He has to lead from a forward position. But everything he seems to do is from a position of weakness and apology to the world. And it just it's absolutely wrong. But he is the president, and this is who is going to be president, at least for the next two years. So, again, we have to do what we can to hopefully bolster what we can around. I, I, it isn't like we, we should walk away from America and walk away from our responsibility in the world and just sit back as Republicans, as Republicans in a leadership position. We can't just sit back and complain for two years. We have to be I know. Part, hopefully put the pressure on, right, and be part of that solution. And we need to lead from the front, and we need to know that the, the country can lean on us, whether it's as a governor, as our representatives in Congress. We're going to stand firm for what America is really all about. You know, but this is no 91-year-old mobster who spent the last 50 years in jail who's no, longer, who's no longer a danger. This guy's in his 50s. He had unbelievable context. They said he was the most dangerous man, and he was caught on tape, and, and this came out in his trial, saying that he is selling missiles to be used specifically to take out U.S. helicopters and kill pilots, along with having, I think, 6 to 12, a fleet of cargo jets willing to supply every civil war and terror group in the world. And when he was taken down, people's lives were put at stake. Here's a little of who this guy is. This was a former DEA chief talking on 60 Minutes, Cut 24. Victor Boot, uh, in, in my eyes, um, is one of the most dangerous men on the face of the earth. On the face of the earth. Without a doubt. Mike Braun, the former chief of operations for the U.S. Drug Enforcement Administration, told us Boot first exploded on the scene in war-torn West Africa in the late 1980s. Elevating bloody conflicts from machetes and single-shot rifles to... AK-47s, not by the thousands, but by the tens of thousands. So he weaponizes civil war in Africa. He transformed these young adolescent warriors into uh, insidious, mindless, maniacally driven killing machines that operated with assembly line efficiencies. What makes him a threat to the United States? He is a shadow facilitator. He's arming not only designated terrorist groups, 
uh, insurgent groups, but he's also arming very powerful drug trafficking cartels uh, around the globe. I mean, is this guy still, do you think the president of the United States, uh, did he get briefed on this? Does he allowed to watch network television at night? The president acts like he's this guy's going to go off into retirement. Like he, his this this guy has millions of, of dollars of access. His phone is going to be ringing off the hook the second he lands uh, back in Russia or wherever he's going to be, and he's going to keep destabilizing and and creating a threat not just to Americans but to as you as, as that that great right. reporting showed it, it he destabilizes all of these places all over the world, especially in Africa. He's got all those contacts. He can get it done, and folks know that. And so again, he he is going to continue to be a threat to not just this country, but the entire world. And, uh, and, and Joe Biden just let that happen. And it's, it's a real shame. It's One of shame. the most successful governors in the country is with me right now, Governor Chris Sununu, just easily won re-election over in New Hampshire. He's looking at his options from running. We know the former president is in. But one thing has to be looked at, and it is not niche, and it is what's being uncovered at Twitter. And for a guy like you in New Hampshire who does not like to get knee-deep in party uh, politics, you have to be disturbed when Charlie Kirk, who represents more young conservatives than anyone in the country, gets his Twitter feed muted. When the same thing with Dan Bongino, when they have Dr. J. Bacciara, who is just coming out with a different school of thought when it comes to COVID-19. Governor, I'm just curious for you, how do you view this? Oh, it's it's absolutely horrible. Now, look, thank God it's being exposed, right? Thank God Musk is putting these files out. And it isn't just – I'm not just looking at what happened at Twitter. I'm worried about what's happening on other communication platforms, whether they be in social media, other internet platforms, all these new modes of communication, how it's being filtered, how it's being monitored. Um, I mean I've had folks come to me, and we're looking at the fact that when you look at how it is so biased and is so manipulative toward the Democrat Party and liberal candidates and th- those sorts of things, that's affecting Effectively, look, I see this as multi-millions of dollars of in-kind contributions that don't get reported, right? I see this as, as a major violation of, uh, of campaign law and all that, that sort of thing. And so I love that it's being exposed. I think there's so much more to uncover here, but uh, I'm more worried about today's platforms, right, whether they be uh, Instagram or Facebook, whether it be the, the craziness going on with TikTok. And, you know, in New Hampshire, we've banned TikTok on all of our computers. Yeah. We're taking additional steps. Oh, yeah, and we're taking additional steps. Uh, as well, because and it's not just like I, I get concerned. We're just going to talk about Twitter and focus there, or just talk about TikTok, guys. The world and, and these nefarious characters are creating the next iteration of that, the next version of that. Whether it's to infiltrate what happens in government, infiltrate what's happening in American culture, we always have to right. be on alert and try to stay one step ahead of it. So it's real. It's happening. It's terrible. Um, but hopefully, this starts opening people's eyes. It's not a conspiracy theory. It is very, very real. Uh, and now it's being exposed, and hopefully. We we can learn from it and build off it. Governor Sunu, you're always about coming together, but if you want to look at America and analyze how to hurt us, bring up racial polarizing events, talk about abortion. Now, it's bad enough for Republicans and Democrats bring that forward, but what if China decides, I'm going to help divide America? What if Russia says, I have one thing I could do. I could get tap into the conservative movement and try to convince them that the Ukraine war is a war they shouldn't be involved in. So now Russia starts penetrating into our social media, penetrating into our news cycle. We have to be more alert to this. And if so, you know, how we handle these IP addresses is key. 
Uh, it, it's critical, and, and it's not just the issues. We are very open about the issues that will divide us, but it's how they target. It's the young people and the young generation and what hits them. And look, I'm a 48-year-old parent. I got teenagers, right, and I try to stay involved with what my kids are doing, but we also have to appreciate what that generation is looking at, the issues that are important to them, and not, you know, as Republicans, this is where we fail. We, we worry about being advertised. How do we advertise our message? Stop. The other side is influencing the next generation. They're influencing a message, and the and, and nefarious folks like China or, or otherwise will do that as well. And sometimes they're, they're patient, right? We want the instant gratification of winning an election. They are patient. They will do this for years and years and change the entire dynamic with a whole different generation uh, while right in front of us before we even realize what's happening until it's too late. So again, it's not just about what we are seeing or what we're worried about in our generation today. It's about being proactive about how the next generation is being influenced with that message, what the tools are uh, and how it's being manipulated on the other side. And, and again, it's easy just to, to complain about it and hold hearings, you know, holding hearings in Washington. That's important, fine. But what are you actually going to do about it? What are the action items that this country is willing to take to actually make sure that, uh, that we're protecting our interests? It's, uh, right. it's serious stuff. I do think that it's going to come out that the FBI, the Biden administration, or the Biden campaign played a role in telling social media what to pick up and what to put down. So, Governor, uh, after losing the last runoff election with about the, the Republicans are still trying to pick a speaker, we I believe it should be Kevin McCarthy, and now losing a 51-49 balance of power in the Senate. What does, when you sit down, when the door closes with other Republican leaders, what do you think you learned from this last cycle? Um, it's not – so a couple things. It's not Trump or not Trump. It's not partisans, just partisanship. America is, is pissed off about, re, about politicians just being pissed off. It, it, so it, it, we have to be more than be angry at the other side. We have to be about something, and more importantly, we've got to get something done. Americans are furious about inflation. It is still the number one issue, but they just didn't buy – that these candidates were going to be the ones to actually fix it. There was too much talk of payback. There was too much talk of what we're going to do to the other side when Republicans get control, as opposed to are we going to actually secure the border and, and fix and have immigration reform like Republicans promised in 17 and 18 and didn't get done? Are we going to balance the budget? Are we going to do health care reform like Republicans promised but didn't get done? So we have to be about actually getting stuff done. Uh, you know, I had a, a, I won't go into who it was, but I talked to a couple of US, uh, Republican U.S centers that explained to me how balancing a budget in Washington was, was a futile effort because you needed 60 votes. And I said, look, I, I've been a governor. I've had Democrats in control of my legislature. I still balance the budget and cut taxes. You give a little to get a lot. It's hard negotiation. It ain't easy. So if you need a 60-vote plan, then you better give America the 60-vote plan because otherwise you're saying it's never going to get done. So th these guys have to actually show progress down the road. And they're so worried about their political base. They're so worried about getting money for their next election. They, they, they have the job to get elected again. And I think America's just really ticked off with that, that entire mentality. And it isn't just against Republicans or, or it's, it's really to Washington as a whole is the frustration. That is the biggest message I hope Washington hears. People are just ticked off. You're not getting something done. Move the ball forward. It's what America demands and what the accountability demands of the, those individuals. Otherwise, fire them. Fire them all. So, uh, Governor, for you personally, you know, the, pre the former president said he is in. Uh, word is, I see Ron DeSantis putting a book out shortly. Mike Pompeo comes out in January, too. That's usually a precursor. Nikki Haley put one out in the fall. I think she's going to be there. What about you? What is that timetable? 
<laughs> for my book. So here, here's an idea. Um, <laughs> look, I think politicians writing books is the most ridiculous thing in the world. Let's, can we just start there, Brian? Have you ever read any of these books? These are great people. These are good leaders, but they are the worst writers. It's the most dry read in the world. I always find it hilarious. To your point, it's just a precursor of what they're going to do next. So, no, I have no big book plans as of ah. yet unless I really get ticked off. Um, but look, I, I think you're gonna. I think a lot of folks are going to get in the race. I'm kind of the referee, if you will, in the first the nation primary. A lot of folks have asked me to get in, and I'm not looking at that right now. We'll see where, where that all goes. Um, but I think every, a lot of folks are going to get in. It's going to be a wide open race. Um, you know, Trump. I, I've been very fl- blunt. I'm not trying to pick on the former president, but it, obviously, I think all of us would agree his announcement kind of fell flat. Didn't really keep anybody out of the race. He's had a couple missteps since then, to say the least. So, at the end of the day, I hope if the, when we look at the 22 election. You you got to get someone who can win in November. That's all that matters. Winning if you don't win in November, not all all of this is just theoretical and, and academic. We need people that can drive our policies forward out of the White House. So uh, a November winner is key to everything. And I think we have a couple options. I think we do. They have to earn it. They have to represent themselves on that debate stage and earn it voter to voter and do the retail politics. It's easy to have political stunts. It's easy to get headlines. Can you connect with voters one on one? Can you walk you know business to business, living room to living room? Earn the vote as an individual before you even worry about the policy stuff. So well, I know that I know that Donald Trump will not keep you out. You've said that to me before. But would Ron no, DeSantis no. keep you out of the race? Oh, no, I don't think anybody keeps anybody out. I really don't. I think if people think they have something to offer, regardless of what a poll might say today or where they might be with funding and financing today, I think if people think they have something to offer, they're going to get in the race. Now, the key is this. Get in the race is fine. But as we get close to New Hampshire and this starts, the, the votes really start coming, if you're not, if you're not polling well and all of that, you've got to get out. You've got to have the responsibility to get out and not just make it about yourself. It's got to be about bringing something to the table. And I think the more can- – if you have a decent amount of candidates to get in, there's also – where is the message going to go? Are we going to change who we are as a party? I don't think we should. I think we just need to get back right. to our basics. Governor, I, I think you're going to have a big weekend. Well, you have a lot of energy, so you better have a lot of big weekend <laughs> plans. So your family better be ready to, to, to do stuff. Uh, ready to rock and roll. Thanks so much, Chris. Thank you, Brian. Be Governor good. Chris uh, Sununu in New Hampshire. When we come back, I'll finish up with calls 1-866-408-7669. Newsmakers and newsbreakers. Hear it first on The Brian Kilmeade Show. From his mouth to your ears, it's Brian Kilmeade. It just shows uh, this president got it done. Uh, he cared enough about this individual person to get her home. It was shocking, for the, I think, for young Americans to see an icon like that snatched, locked up. What you don't have and what you can't allow to happen is to have a black female icon mm-hmm. treated like garbage and America do nothing about it. Mm-hmm. Something was done about it, and people are going to be proud about that. What is, Van Jones, what does black female icon have to do with it? An American was taken, who, by the way, has went out of her way to say, I don't think the national anthem should be played before basketball games and took a knee. So not too impressed with America to that point. She gets grabbed doing something perhaps illegal, maybe it was trumped up, doesn't matter. Clearly not nine years in prison worthy. It would be zero here. So for him to get back, the question is, why her for the worst, uh, the, the most prolific arms dealer in the world? Here's why. He wanted her back. He felt the pressure from LeBron James and the star community. But Paul Whalen is the decorated Marine who went to Russia for a wedding and he ends up being charged as a spy. I'm going to bring something else up. The turns out John Bolton, I just got it confirmed a second ago. John Bolton said that they were offered a swap between Paul Whalen and Victor Boot. 
The President Trump said, no, it's not equal. And he walked away from it. That was confirmed by a second source because it wasn't anywhere close to equal. We all know there's going to be unequal because we care about life more than these other horrible regimes. But this wasn't close. From the Fox News radio studios in Midtown Manhattan, it's the fastest growing radio talk show. Brian Kilmeade. Welcome to the latest moments of the Brian Kilmeade Show. Big hour coming your way. We're going to be joined at the bottom of the hour by Congressman Michael Waltz, former Green Beret, talks about prisoner swap all over the Bo Bergdahl swap for the Taliban Five, who ends up running the Taliban a few years later. That was a genius move by Barack Obama and his team. Geraldo Rivera is standing by right now to talk about so much more. Uh, There's also a meeting at Twitter. Uh, There was a press conference uh, yesterday how the fire Twitter employees want to sue. Good luck with that. Let's get to the big three. Now with the stories you need to know, it's Brian's Big Three. A Christmas gift that's even more alluring than lingerie? Naturally, nude pajamas by Pajamagram. Sensuous and soft, they look just as seductive as they feel. Get naturally nude pajamas today at Pajamagram.com. Number three. I know some people might be a little bit surprised by this, but actually, I think it makes a lot of sense. You know, a growing number of... Arizonans and people like me just don't feel like we fit neatly into one party's box or the other. Wow. With that, Senator Kirsten Sinema is now an independent leading the Democratic Party, creating shockwaves, shockwaves throughout Washington. But what's really changed being that she's still going to caucus with the Democrats? We'll discuss it. Number two. I have to say I'm greatly disappointed that more has not been done to secure my release. I'm happy that Brittany is going home today and that Trevor went home when he did, but I don't understand why I'm still sitting here. Paul Whelan in prison at a penal colony in Russia. Good for Brittany, bad for America. President Biden decides to give up the world's premier illegal arms dealer with the so-called Merchant of Death label uh, and send him back to Russia, who desperately needs his arms and his know-how, as Brittany Griner comes home and Whelan, the decorator Marine, sits in prison. Why this make us look weak? Number one. Twitter employees build these black lifts to prevent the disfavored tweets from trending. And then they actively limit the visibility of the entire account or even trending topics. They do this all in secret without informing users. Trace Gallagher, making sense of the Twitter files. Part two, explosive is shadow banning, which has long been denied, is now revealed. And the lying reaches the very top of Twitter. Will the general public ever trust social media again? What does it mean for what Facebook is doing, Google, uh, and every other social media apparatus? With us right now is Geraldo Rivera. Geraldo, I gave you three great topics. You pick the one you want to start with. Well, I have to say, Brian, as I was preparing to go on with you this morning at uh, Fox and Friends, I was uh, quite shocked to hear our, our our pal Dan Bongino. I thought Dan was going to physically erupt uh, on television. He feels very uh, slighted. He feels manipulated. He feels like he's been exploited by uh, Twitter and social media. And uh, it sounded, uh, you know, there was there was some uh, some. Paranoia there, I, I felt, uh, but uh, you know, even paranoia, uh, paranoics have real enemies. So, uh, in Bongino's case, particularly, uh, it seems that they had uh, they had the 
uh, you know, the knives out for him at uh, at Twitter. And the worst thing is, of course, that uh, they deny, 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 and then it all comes out that they were just manipulative, uh, uh, you know, elites with political agendas and so forth. So I find that disappointing. I, I think maybe sometimes we put too much uh, importance in these social media sites, but uh, then again, I'm a dinosaur, Brian. But, so Barry Weiss found out they they uh, they squelched and they muted him. They put him. It's almost impossible to find one of the most popular social media guys out there. Number one on Facebook, even today. You search blacklist and he comes up. They they blacklisted him and he realized I'm not adding followers. I'm not getting retweets. What's going on? Uh, when people like Charlie Kirk said, I want to meet with Jack Dorsey, I got this number one young Republican organization. We were number one for a while. Now I can't get any traction. I'm never trending. What's happening? He said, well, not, it's not us. We'll keep an eye on it. It turns out things got worse. Dorsey stopped returning his calls, and he is one of the people that Barry Weiss discovered that it has been shadow banned. So they went out of their way to make sure these conservative thinkers, for the young generation especially, were not thought were not allowed to come out. And then you add to that the COVID-19 restrictions. And you have Dr. Jay Bhattacharo of Stanford who finds out that he basically has been shadow banned because he was against masks and giving kids vaccines. You know, I, I, I know I should be outraged by it. It's just that when you suspect something for so long, when there is a sense, when you just see the numbers and, uh, you know, my modest accounts, uh, uh, just see how they go and what makes uh, uh, what trends and what doesn't trend. Uh, you know, I've known it all along, even though I didn't know anything. And as uh, as shocking as it as it may be, uh, you know, it just seems to me that uh, nothing is neutral uh, in the world of politics. Nothing is uh, wow. Is I'm surprised. I thought you, you because know, you have a sense of justice about you. I'm do, really surprised that you you ca- so calm about this. But I am. But what what you know? What, what are you going to do now? Now that uh, you know Elon Musk has taken it over, I want to see how he does when there's so much temptation to tamper, when there's so much uh, opportunity to skew results. I want to see how Elon Musk does. I am pretty, I'm very happy. I'm optimistic. I want to see, you know, I want him to get to it. But, uh, uh, you know, that when when you suspected it all along and it's it comes true, there's more, I guess, a sense of uh, maybe cynicism even uh, that, uh, you know, uh, how how silly of us. So he ever yeah. think that it was hands off. Here is uh, here's Charlie Kirk cut to. Then all of a sudden we saw off a cliff almost immediately our engagement, our retweets disappear. I started to talk about this a lot, Tucker, and I was called a conspiracy theorist. I actually met with Jack Dorsey personally, where he assured me shadow batting wasn't happening. And I didn't really believe him at the time, but I said, okay, whatever. And then six months later, 12 months later, I saw their contact information and I started to write them like, hey guys, something's not right here. Silence. It was almost as if it became a wholly operated company that that kind of changed their modus operandi from being somewhat of a social media platform to a Democrat super PAC. And I don't think they really cared. So here's what Jack Dorsey said in testimony. Cut 13. Are you censoring people? No. Twitter shadow banning prominent Republicans. It's bad. Is that true? No. Flat out lie. 
flat out lie. So I mean, how do you do? How do you do that? Then they set up this, uh, and this is what you would appreciate. So just for everybody at home, in case you didn't have a chance to see what Barry Rice put out there, uh, Weiss, I should say, and then what they're also doing, Matt Taibbi is going to get more, I think, today. What they have is uh, head of legal, uh, VJ Gotti, since fired October 27th, the head of legal. The global trust and safety, he quit, Yo Roth, uh, a week ago. Jack Dorsey urged Elon Musk to buy this from him, and Parag Agraro uh, was told to resign. All these four decided that they would decide what politically should be muted or or, or suspended. Uh, and then you have some interchange where they said, uh, we got Jack. Here's uh, Barry Weiss. She found this. We got Jack on board with implementing this for civic integrity in the near term. We're going to need to make a more robust case to get this into our repertoire of policy remediations, especially for other policy domains. So they're looking to expand it. So as you see the big picture better than most, who is this just Twitter saying, I just don't like Republicans. I don't like conservatives. Or is this the FBI like the celebrities that we know did? Hey, can you get rid of this tweet? Uh Can you get rid of this? Is this the FBI or the government, a campaign of the government saying this? You do this, guys. Therein, Therein lies the real issue. Everything else that you've spoken about is the excesses and the defects of a private company. They can do whatever the hell they want. They're a private company. First Amendment doesn't apply to them. Uh, They are absolutely free to do anything and say anything, uh, release this or not release that, emphasize this or emphasize that as as they see fit. But if they are really interfacing with the with the national government of the United States, or or specifically the FBI and the Department of Justice, and the the government is instructing them to do surreptitiously uh, some of these things that you've you've described and that are now being revealed by Barry Weiss and Matt Taibbi. If the government is taking this private company and using it as a weapon against its political enemies, then, to me, you have a historic— Story. And I think that that therein lies the real mystery. I want to see how, if any of these tweets being released have, as a, as their as the bottom line, the their meaning that government has been tampering in a way that is uh, in in this way so totally unacceptable and un-American. Here's what worries seen me. That yet, though, Brian. Maybe maybe you. Yeah. Here, here's what worries me. James Baker stayed there to the last day, to last Sunday. Why would he do that? Why would he just bow out and go, yeah, I'm going to resign and let people just fit? Was he in there deleting, stopping communications, hiding uh, lines of communications between the government, the Biden administration, and then the Biden campaign along the way? Was he doing that? Was that why he stayed up until last Sunday? And when Taibbi's asking for the documents that, that he was told he was going to get, after the first tranche, everything slowed down, and he said, I have a problem. And Barry Weiss is, he's like, yeah, she's, I'm, I'm having the same problem. I can't, get in for, I can't get these tweets. I can't get the background that I was promised by Elon Musk. And it turns out, well, who's doing it? Jay Baker. Who's Jay? James Baker? She said her jaw hit the floor. The same James Baker that was the lead attorney for James Comey that stuck around with Peter Strzok and, uh, and, and Lisa Page. And that was got the information from Sussman about a so-called link between Trump and Alpha Bank that was totally fallacious. 
the same guy goes to Twitter. Oh, I forgot about his stop at CNN as an analyst. Then he goes to Twitter. And was he sitting there? Was he covering his tracks for his buddies? I think he was covering primarily his tracks for himself, that his prime motive was was survival, that he was in a desperate uh, panic to review all of those tweets being released to Saibi and Weiss. He wanted to see how many of them had his name on it, his fingerprints on it. He wanted to sustain his ability to work in the permanent shadow government in Washington, going from one agency to the next to the next. It just seems to me that uh, Baker particularly is one of those uh, unseemly uh, kind of – I don't want to say low life. I don't, I don't know the guy. But I know that he's, he's a manipulator. He's a, he's a, you know, a, a hustler. Uh, he's a, uh, an ideologue. And it would seem to me that what he's done basically is expose how untrustworthy he, – he seems to me – uh, part of the, those creatures, like the Avenatis of the world, the creatures that just see uh, the way social trends or this is going, they plug themselves in here, there, everywhere, and their prime motive, their, uh, their, their prime incentive is survival in the, in the swamp. Right. Or was Jake Sullivan reaching out saying, yeah, get rid of this? Get rid of that. Let's downplay bigger that. Story. Much bigger story. Right. And, true, and if Baker's in there watching Jake Sullivan's back, and if you're a lawyer with the FBI, all your buddies know are cyber experts, investigators, uh, and they could uh, do their forensics on how to cover their own tracks. They're experts at it. So I guess we could see I'm just outraged uh, by when people come in front of Congress and say things the exact, uh, which they know is a lie, and they just don't seem to care. And this guy... But Jack Dorsey, two days ago, told Elon Musk, let it all out. Why are you letting out things so slow? He said, yeah, why am I doing so slow? And then they led to Baker. So, but if Dorsey knows his fingerprints are on this, why was he urging Elon Musk to put it out? That I haven't figured out. I haven't uh, had a bad vibe about Dorsey. He just, uh, he just seems like one of those you know, shockingly inventive Musk types who uh, – uh, you know, we sat down one day and he created this uh, this monster. Uh, you know, I, I I envy their intellect and their uh, uh, you know their vision and so forth. What I don't like is if they are saying that they're tech whizzes when in fact they're political hacks and hatchet men. Uh, you know, it's it's disappointing. But again, unless you prove that link, unless you prove the link between government mm-hmm. and these these excesses by Twitter. The story is interesting, but it's not a movie. I'm going to license a theory to you that I'm going to give you permission. Allison, write this down so, I, so I'm not going to sue you if you want to use okay. this on the five. You ready? Okay. So right. in 20, do you remember the midterm elections in 2010 when Barack Obama famously got shellacked? What happened? The Tea got Party shellacked. rose out of the ashes. He got shellacked. They lost 63 seats in the House and, and lost some key seats in the Senate. What happened? The Tea Party emerged out of the thin air, and it just gave them – they could not answer it. They mad, They came up from these grassroots organizations. So after that, we have Lois Lerner and the IRS start investigating these uh, past and present, the new and the old Tea Party patriots and all these other organizations. So they get neutralized for the election. Well, what was the big thing in 2016? Well, the NRA was big for Donald Trump. Well, that got investigated. That stopped. Drudge was huge for Donald Trump. Now Drudge has somehow got bought out, and now it's the most benign 
It's the most benign leaning left consolidator out there. And then you take Facebook, which Trump used brilliantly. Everybody says it. Well, that got done, done. And Brad Pascal ends up shirtless, arrested, on, and he was the genius behind it. So Twitter that Donald Trump used to ride to the nomination election, Facebook, which was used brilliantly and tactically, all that stuff gets – they come together and make sure that Donald Trump can't use any of it in 2020, and he still almost won. Was it a master plan? 30 seconds. I think that your analysis overlooks the role that we at Fox News played in 2010. Uh, we should be part of our own, uh, uh, you know, historic uh, – I don't want to say conspiracy, but there was definitely, if it was not for Roger Ailes, there would not have been a Tea Party. There would not have been the shellacking of gotcha. 2010. All right. I'll have to leave it there, Geraldo. Geraldo Rivera, the best. Back in a moment. This is The Brian Kilmeade Show. A talk show that's real. This is The Brian Kilmeade Show. Hey, welcome back. Uh, let's go real quick to Eric in North Carolina. Hey, Eric. Oh, hey, Brian. Big fan. Uh, thanks for taking my call. No problem. What's on your mind? Um, uh, I want to just speak to you about uh, Christmas cinema. But real quick, I did want to inquire as to when your next book is going to come out. Next year. Uh, next winter. Uh, hopefully right after the election. Or after the oh, awesome. off-year election. It's been about a year since the president and freedom fighter came out, and I ran out of pages to wipe my hole with about two months. Yeah, the president freedom fighter is out uh, and is doing exceedingly well. So now it's now for the fifth, I think it's the fifth straight week of the bestseller list. And tonight I'm going to be in St. Louis at KFTK. And one of the things that came up is we're lucky enough to sell out because you guys are so loyal over in Missouri, St. Louis specifically. Now that you have an MLS team, especially there's an overflow area. So if you come and you can't get in, I'm coming out after to sign everybody's book, especially with the holidays there. I'm spending the night in uh, – and so we're spending the night in St. Louis, so we'll get up in the morning, so we'll, we'll get it all done. So if you're kind enough to come out and support this show, uh, we, will, uh, we will be sure uh, to sign your book. Listen to the Brian Kilmeade Show. When we come back, uh, one of the best and most effective congressmen in Washington, Congressman Michael Waltz, joined us. Brian Kilmeade Show, don't move. show like no other. It's Brian Kilmeade. I have to say I'm greatly disappointed that more has not been done to secure my release. I was arrested for a crime that never occurred. I'm happy that Brittany is going home today and that Trevor went home when he did, but I don't understand why I'm still sitting here. My bags are packed. I'm ready to go home. I just need an airplane to come and get me. Yeah, welcome back. That was Paul Whalen yesterday talking to you from Russia. Uh, and he actually got on the phone with another network and talked about from the penal colony, this prison camp that he's in, how disappointed he is because that was the ace. He knows there's not a whole bunch of weapons dealers, internationally known weapons dealers, who's really the the ambassador of death and destruction 
who single-handedly finances civil wars and, in his last transaction, thought he was selling shoulder-fired missiles to blow up U.S. helicopters. Congressman Michael Walz. Congressman, can you imagine what Whalen must be thinking? No, I can't, Brian. I mean, we, you know, in the Special Forces, we go through certain types of detention training. And the biggest thing that uh, that they do to really get inside your brain and kill your morale uh, and kill your will to resist is telling you that you'll never get out and that your country has forgotten about you and that they don't care about you. Uh, and you know, Russia is allowing Whelan to make these calls uh, because they want Biden to cave again. And the thing that is so frustrating, and of course we want every American to get home, but the reason that Putin, the Iranian regime, North Korea, uh, we can go down the list, the Taliban continue to do this and take American hostage around the world is in the end we cave and they get what they want and it's a win for them. Uh, And so this has set the stage for more Americans to be taken hostage or around the world. And, and all of those other groups have seen what just happened and said, okay, rather than getting a, a you know, a veteran or, 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 you know, an American off the street, we need to, we need to find somebody with some celebrity power because that's what Biden will trade for. Um, and so this is, uh, this is beyond, beyond frustrating. Uh, this is not what our policy should be. We should never appease these groups. Appeasement never works in our interest. Uh, and, and, and that's what we're seeing. And, by, and, and Brian, look, they've been asking for Bic, Victor Boot for years and years and years. Not only is he starting civil wars, selling arms all over the world, he's making Putin and his cronies a ton of money. He's also arming up the drug cartels in Mexico and Colombia and South America. And then further, they're going to put him right to work in Ukraine. Uh, and so Biden's just working against himself on on every front with this trade. Again, we want to get Americans home, but this was a massive, massive cost. And instead of us paying the cost, we need to make those groups pay the cost. How about the next time Putin or the Iranians or the Taliban think about make it, taking an American hostage, they go, you know what? This isn't worth it. This is going to hit us so hard economically even militarily, that we're not going to touch a hair on an American's head because it'll cost us too much. But instead, Biden is saying, well, we couldn't pay enough or we couldn't find something uh, that made Putin happy to get a Marine veteran out. Uh, It's just pathetic. Here's what John Kirby said, cut 17. So we made this calculation. It was a tough decision, uh, but it was a better it was a better decision than doing nothing because it was either get Brittany out using Mr. Boot or get nobody out. And I think we can all agree uh, that it's better to have Brittany Griner soon on American soil rather than spending years and years uh, in prison for a crime she didn't commit. Everybody wants her out. No doubt about it. I wouldn't doubt that she didn't even have that oil that was all planted on her. I, I, just, I don't know her. I don't appreciate her anti-American attitude, taking a knee, saying the national anthem shouldn't be played uh, before any game. I will not come out of the locker room. The national anthem is going to be played. Really? Okay. Uh, let's compare countries. Uh, number two is, I think, in, do you remember when the president came out on that Saturday with the parents of Bo Bergdahl? And he said, yep. you know, we got him out. 
and he thought he was a hero. And by the middle of the week, it became clear Bo Bergdahl was a deserter, and these Taliban five were evil as they got pulled out of uh, as they got pulled out of Gitmo. I think that this could be heading. Wait, uh, no, I remember it's seared in my brain, Brian. I had to, as you know, I had to lead the search for Bergdahl. Uh, units around me lost men, uh, good men. Uh, some of whom are so paralyzed, wounded, or no longer with their families, going in places we never should have been to try to find an American that betrayed us. Uh, we should have left them there, as we did the defectors in the Korean War and in, in previous wars. So guess what? Those three Taliban, uh, three of the five Taliban, are now running their government, uh, helping al-Qaeda and ISIS plot and plot plan to attack the West again. So, and, and guess and guess what the Taliban did after we did that trade? They took another American hostage, Mark Frerichs, and Biden just gave the Taliban one of the world's largest drug kingpins uh, in exchange for him. They're going to keep on doing this as long as we keep giving them what they want, and we bear the cost rather than making them bear the cost. How about we punish the hell out of them? for unjustly taking Americans hostage or detaining them. And, and that's the script that we have to flip, and I don't see it coming out of this week White House. So uh, Twitter exposed. They've come out. Shadow banning's taking place. Some of the people that have been most affected, Charlie Kirk, who represents more young conservatives than anybody else in the country, uh, then Dan Bongino. We know that a lot of the things that he's had happen and the explanations and the shadow banning that he said was taking place and they denied it, um, and then we also have Jay Bacciara, who came forward because he's with the Stanford School of Medicine. He founds out that he was being shadow banned because he came out against some of these vaccines, especially with young kids, and he questioned masks. Cut four. It feels like some novel from the 1950s where um, the House Un-American uh, you know, committee is like meeting to, to, uh, to decide uh, who, to, who to suppress. And, and I, I'm some sort of like movie star from in Hollywood that they're blacklisting because I'm a communist or something. Uh, it's ridiculous. And it really hurt public health. And I really do wonder uh, how I ended up on a black—I joined Twitter in 2021, in September 2021. Who, who told Twitter to put me on a blacklist? I really want to know. He's stunned. Uh, so everybody's swept up in this. What's the significance of it? What questions do you have, Congressman Waltz? Well, the, the, it's one thing for Twitter uh, as a private company to be doing this and to be lying about it and to be lying to the American people and lying under oath to Congress. That's one piece. The piece I'm interested in is, is the government direction that was going on either from political campaigns and or from – this current administration. Further, Brian, imagine how many lawyers and how many general counsels in Facebook, Instagram, and on down the list are combing through their files right now, erasing their footprints, covering their track, and including possibly uh, in, uh, in the FBI and the Department of Justice, in the DNC. I mean, this is just, I think this is the, the, the absolute tip of the iceberg but I think even to take a step back, let's let's rewind the tape. You know, President Trump said they they were spying on my campaign. He was mocked. It turned out to be right. President Trump said, uh, "Excuse me, I am not an agent of the Russian government. The Russians uh, didn't win this campaign for me." Uh, and we went through two years of that. All of that was a hoax. We saw Hunter Biden with 50 of the most senior intelligence officials signing up that that was disinformation. The, the 
devastation of public trust in our institutions, and now public health as well, uh, really has been devastating. And, and I don't know, Brian, to be honest with you, how we put that genie back in the bottle, because at some point we will have, uh, especially if we don't get to the bottom of COVID origin, we could have a pandemic with a with a truly high lethal rate, or we could have our intelligence community saying, this is about to happen. You have to trust us. We have to take action now. And you know, once you have that trust eroded and devastated in a democracy, um, we have some tremendous, tremendous rebuilding to do. And uh, the first things first is we're going to have to continue to shine a spotlight on what has happened uh, and then make reforms to rebuild that. They're already going after Elon Musk. Uh, they're, they're already trying to find something with him, whether he's bringing beds into the office space. They're trying to find out and interview people that he fired when he came in. There was a press conference yesterday. Here's Corey Mills this morning on Fox and Friends First. He's a, he's a congressman-elect from Florida. Cut eight. I mean, the great thing about Elon Musk is he really doesn't care, does he? I mean, that was the entire intent of why he did this, is to ensure free speech. And look, people think that Elon Musk is some great conservative. He's not. He's not a conservative. He's not kind of on to the left. He's really just a free speech guy. He really believes in the idea that everyone should have uncensored speech. He's now unlocked people's you know, Twitter accounts, finally. He's uncovering what's been going on. Look, in my opinion, I mean, he's the real you know, kind of great uh, uniter when it comes to people having the ability to now try and go out on the social media platforms and speak their minds. And, and they will be on Twitter uh, saying nothing's unforeseen. But I'm wondering the role of the FBI, the role of the Biden campaign, and then the role of the Biden administration. And I'm wondering if James Baker staying there those few extra days was he, he was right. a Delita Palooza uh, uh, over in Silicon Valley. Yeah, 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 you're, you're, you're absolutely right. And that's what um that's what we have to get to the bottom of, Brian. That's why uh, winning the majority was so important, and uh, we are going to shine a bright, bright spotlight on everything we can. My concern is between now and when we can come in in January, what's being deleted? How are the tracks being covered? We've sent out preservation notices, which under law, you have to preserve those documents. Um, but you know, again, we've seen uh, the deep state uh, and, and I think this is absolutely – that's not an overstatement to say this is a deep state, unelected officials uh, moving against uh, the will of the people. And, and you know, uh, one more thing on, on Elon. The irony is he was a darling of the left. The entire reason he, uh, he started Tesla, which revolutionized the electric vehicle market and the car market, was because of climate change. Uh, the entire reason he started SpaceX was he believed that in you know if we ruined the environment here in, on Earth that we would have an alternative on Mars for mankind. So he was a total darling of the left. Uh, but now I guess he's made too much money and believes too much in free speech, uh, and they've completely turned on him. Lastly, Senator Kirsten Sinema last night, uh, officially this morning, says I am yeah. an independent. She's going to still caucus with Democrats, I guess. What changes? What do you think people should take from this? Yeah, well, one, that's a huge decision that I don't think she's announced yet unless I missed something. She did. If she caucus, oh, she did. Okay. She's going to continue to caucus with the Democrats, uh, but she's also putting us, you know, putting the nation on notice that she could vote with us 
which takes us back to 50-50. So that's one piece. The other piece is it you know, reasserts her and Manchin uh, as, as really uh, having a pivotal role. And then it's also there's a political piece for 2024 uh, uh, where she said, you know what, enough is enough. Um, I'm going to be an independent. I'm going to be my own person. And that the Democrat Party uh, has been overrun with progressives. Uh, we saw this with Tulsi Gabbard as well. And I think you're going to see I think you're going to continue to see more of it. Yeah, I guess here's the here's the announcement. Cut 33. What I think is important about this decision and, and this move is that I'll be able to show up to work every day as an independent and not be, you know, stuck into one party's demands of following without thinking. You know, removing myself from the partisan structure, not only is it true to who I am and how I operate, I also think it'll provide a place of belonging for many folks across the state and the country who also are tired of the partisanship. What do you think? I mean, she's been, she's already yeah. done it. It's not like we're asking her to do something she hasn't been doing. She's already been turning over the tables. Yeah, but look, but I also think this goes to the, to the nasty, personal, mean-spirited attacks from the left, uh, that if they can't argue with you uh, on policy, that they go for personality. And they treated her horribly uh, over uh, the, the last couple of years. And, uh, you know, we're seeing that with Elon. We've seen that with Tulsi. We're going to see that continue uh, to see that with her. And that's because socialism and socialist policies have never worked, don't work, won't work in, uh, in the future. But if you dare, you know, for, for progressives who, who espouse tolerance, uh, they seem to be some of the most intolerant people in, in, in American society if you dare disagree with them. And they can't defeat you on the merits, so they go after uh, the personal attacks. And I think she said enough is enough. I hear you. Uh, it's going to be a much more interesting uh, next two years uh, because of that announcement. Uh, but she was she was also felt like she was left out to dry by Joe Manchin, who decided mysteriously to this day to sign on for the uh, the Inflation yep. Reduction Act, which was doesn't reduce inflation. And, and she was left out to dry. Permitting. And he never got his permitting reform. Schumer never kept his promises. Uh, he was called Manchin was calling Republicans, begging us to put it in the defense bill. Uh, and one thing to, for people to understand about that is it was only narrowly for one pipeline. If it had been broader national permitting reform for our oil and gas industry, that would have been a different matter. So it was, it was crazy. Uh, yeah, it was. It was, it was nuts. And it doesn't make sense. And I think he's going to pay the price in 2024. Congressman Michael Waltz, thanks so much. All right. Thank you. When we get back, I'll take some calls. one 408 7669 As you can hear, a lot going on. So glad you're here. Diving deep into today's top stories, it's Brian Kilmeade. The more you listen, the more you'll know. It's Brian Kilmeade. Hey, we're uh, we're back, everybody. One eight six six four zero eight seven six six nine. Let's go out to Alex in Brooklyn. Hey, Alex, WABC. 
Hey, good morning, Brian. Thanks for taking the call. I got two things to share with you. Number one, I told you this back in April when the shooting happened here in Brooklyn at the train station, that the mask mandates help the criminals so they don't look suspicious when they wear the masks. I had my bike stolen yesterday here in Brooklyn. I looked at the cameras. I had the cops look at the footage, and they said they couldn't identify him because he was wearing a COVID mask. So I learned that the masks work, but only for the criminals. They don't stop you from they don't prevent you from getting COVID. Um, but I also wanted to say about the governor that you had on that said and, that and just to Republican- and just to give give people at home some context, Jay Bacciaro said the masks have limited uh, help you when it comes to COVID nineteen. Other people in the medical community are going to be unearthed through Barry Weiss as well as uh, Matt Taibbi. Uh, you know they're going to be brought down. And the question is, did the CDC, did Anthony Fauci's minions, are they the ones who did it? Final thought. Oh yeah, I just want to. By the way, and Twitter took people off from Twitter. If you and, and other place, other social media platforms, if you said the masks don't work, but uh, you had this governor on that said that if Republicans want voters to trust them, they have to take action and in fighting inflation and not go after Hunter Biden and other stuff. But the thing is, the Republicans only have the House. They don't have the Senate to pass anything, and you can't tell Republicans to compromise with the Democrats when it comes to fighting inflation. Because how do you decrease inflation on compromising when the only thing the Democrats believe in is going to stop inflation is when they increase spending, which is what caused this inflation crisis that we're in right now. Yeah, you're talking about Governor Sununu brought up later. He goes, go in there with a plan, to plan to reach across the aisle because you don't have the numbers to do anything else. But that's the problem. There's certain, there's certain things you, you do give in on and others you don't. News headquarters in New York City. Always seeking solutions, never sowing division. It's Brian Kilmeade. Thanks so much for being here, everybody. It's the Brian Kilmeade Show. This hour, we're going to be joined by DeRoy Murdoch in about 15 minutes from the Wall Street Journal and Tom Coughlin. I think a guy heading to the Hall of Fame, had a lot of success with Jacksonville as well as two, two uh, Super Bowl championships uh, with the New York Giants. And he's got a great story, uh, and he had told his personal story, too, uh, as he had to deal with the passing of, uh, of his wife after all these years with a long struggle uh, out of the sport uh, now, but never uh, out of the game. So... Uh, there's so much going on right now, and I look forward to talking to you. And I hope everybody watches One Nation on Saturday night. We're going to talk to Dave Rubin, who was in all these Twitter files. We're going to talk to Kevin McCarthy, the most important Republican in the country, as well as do a news duel with Tyrus. I also get a, get an up-close look at uh, what's going on that not many people are talking about, but should this whole push for reparations in this country in California, New York, and now St. Louis with Doug Brinkley. So let's get to the big three. Now with the stories you need to know, it's Brian's Big Three. Number three. I know some people might be a little bit surprised by this, but actually I think it makes a lot of sense. You know, a growing number of Arizonans and people like me just don't feel like we fit neatly into one party's box or the other. She's out. Kirsten Cinema, no longer a Democrat, an independent. She'll caucus to the left, but for how long? We'll discuss it. Number two. I have to say I am greatly disappointed that more has not been done to secure my release. 
I'm happy that Brittany is going home today and that Trevor went home when he did, but I don't understand why I'm still sitting here. Either do we, Paul. Paul Whalen, the Marine. He goes to, goes to Russia for a wedding. He gets accused of being a spy. He's now in jail for years. Good for Britney, bad for America. President Biden decides to giving up the world's premier illegal arms dealer, the so-called merchant of death, in a swamp for unjustly held Britney, uh, uh, Britney Griner, while a decorated American Marine rots in prison. The result? Putin gets his PR win. Number one. Twitter employees build these black lifts to prevent the disfavored tweets from trending. And then they actively limit the visibility of the entire account or even trending topics. They do this all in secret without informing users. Trace Gallagher riding the breaking news with Tucker last night as the second tranche of Twitter revelations was uh, revealed by Barry Weiss, uh, formerly of the New York Times, now of Substack. Explosive. The shadow banning's real. How many people were suppressed? How many storylines were vanished? And what were they up to with Twitter? Who was pulling the strings? And that's the biggest story. Uh, first off, about what exactly happened. So Barry Weiss been told, as someone not known as right-wing uh, media mogul, she is a substack, she left the New York Times, to find out what was going on and was there some bias and repression and suppression at Twitter of conservative thought. And the answer is yes, by a lot. The head of legal, Vijay Gatti, fired. Global head of trust, Yoel Roth, quit. Subsequent CEO, Jack Dorsey, sold it. Parag Agraro, uh, told to give, there's the door. And guess what? It turns out together, they were the premier board to decide what tweets, what thoughts would be muted, who would not be allowed to trend, not being allowed to trend, Charlie Kirk. Not being allowed to trend, Dan Bongino. Not being allowed to trend, Jay Bacciara. What about libs of TikTok? All pushed down intentionally, not by a computer, but by left-wing activists running a social media site that is extremely powerful. Who I believe, this is just the beginning, because I believe they're playing a role in Brazil in their controversial election, working with governments to get the message out that they want. And I think it's diabolical, especially because when it comes to shadow banning, pushing what you're saying down and making sure no people saw it. Jack Dorsey was asked about it in 2018. Cut 13. Are you censoring people? No. Twitter shadow banning prominent Republicans. Bad. Is that true? No. Okay. It was true. It is true. Not anymore since Elon Musk came out. Stephen Miller was on with Sean Hannity last night. And looked at this, obviously working with the Trump campaign, working with the Trump administration, frustrated beyond frustrated, cut 11. I believe that it is showing the single greatest, most sophisticated, far-reaching election interference effort, really, not just in the history of our country, but in the history of our developed peer nations. The scope and scale of this gives larger every single day. What you're talking about here is a handful of hardened left activists at a major global social media platform secretly manipulating, altering, and changing the dialogue, making unpopular ideas appear popular, making very popular, very important, potentially life-saving ideas seem unpopular and inaccessible to alter, to change, to redirect the whole course of American history in secret. He's not overstating it. Because if you can't get schools of thought out, people think it doesn't exist. 
So if you want to make sure that Donald Trump is not heard, you start shadow banning him. You start coming up with different ways to suspend him. Say, well, we just have to come up with some type of criteria. And the question is, was the Biden campaign, was the Biden administration, was the FBI who was briefing them on a regular basis about a laptop that they knew was about to come out? How do we know that? Because they were spying on Rudy Giuliani. Rudy Giuliani was communicating with Miranda Devine, who wrote the story about Hunter's laptop, that they told us it was real, real, uh, there was fake and disinformation. I hope you're following all this because this is what's happening. Little by little, we're getting the facts out that people were pushed back, held back by a platform that was not just working on its own. I am sure working with Facebook and YouTube and everything else to make sure Donald Trump lost, Republicans paid the price, and they made sure Democrats were in charge. Corrine Jean-Pierre was asked again, why you don't answer any of these questions? Were you involved? Did you know anything? What's the president's reaction to the revelations about Twitter? Cut one. You've said a few times that you really can't talk about communications between the Biden campaign and Twitter. Who is telling you that that's off limits? I've already had that conversation with you, with your colleague, I believe, yesterday. Uh, I've already addressed this multiple times this week, so I don't have anything more to add. Uh, Again, we've we've litigated this uh, all week. Don't have anything to add. They have to be getting concerned. Behind closed doors. I said that a few times when the Hunter Biden stuff came out and evidently he's in New York uh, kind of mugging for New York Post, thinking you're not going to get me. They're going to get him. It's unbelievable that a drug addict would be doing this, recovering as he is. But about the whole suppression thing, Dan Bongino let Twitter world no longer in charge know about it while showing appreciation for Elon Musk. Cut three. This is some Soviet-style right here. There's the big picture. You want to hear it? There's unfiltered Dan Bongino. This is, you know, I've known this the whole time, just so you know, and it was called a conspiracy theory. Tell me we live in a free country where three of the largest social media platforms that are the new public space we can all talk in, when an opinion guy like me cannot speak on these platforms or is restricted from doing so or banned in the case of YouTube, shadow banned in the case of Twitter. Tell me again how we live in a free country. Yeah, and Dan Bajino is number one on Facebook, but he said the challenges he got to Facebook and posts was so ridiculous he's going to produce them, so... It's just fascinating. He's also a huge guy on YouTube, but was basically banned from YouTube for putting things out there about questioning things about masks and the vaccine. When we come back, I'm going to talk to Deroy Murdoch about all this and more, a Wall Street Journal columnist, and then Tom Coughlin, one of the finest coaches in the NFL, no stranger to WOKV listeners, as well as WABC listeners, New York and Jacksonville. Learning something new every day on The Brian Kilmeade Show. Radio that makes you think. This is the Brian Kilmeade Show. I have to say I'm greatly disappointed that more has not been done to secure my release. I was arrested for a crime that never occurred. I'm happy that Brittany is going home today and that Trevor went home when he did. But I don't understand why I'm still sitting here. My bags are packed. I'm ready to go home. I just need an airplane to come and get me. So here's the thing. That's Paul Whelan calling from Russia in prison to to another network 
With me right now is DeRoy Murdoch. He's saying, how could I be left here? I'm the Marine, and I'm not, I wasn't a spy. It looks like Brittany Griner, he's indicating, was caught with hashish oil uh, and was arrested. Never should get nine years for that, DeRoy. But she's home because? Well, according to uh, uh, the White House press secretary, Karine Saint-Pierre, uh, she's black and she's a lesbian, so she adds to that's di- diversity. Yeah, that's very important. I guess that trumps being a Marine who served our country and I guess has spent four years behind bars there. So the one who's only been there for nine months, less than nine months gets out first. Look, I, I think that uh, we had a lot more me- leverage with this uh, vicious, uh, most dangerous man in the world, as he's been called. Uh, and we probably could have gotten both of these people out rather than just one. And now with the bad guy back uh, serving the Kremlin, that leverage is gone. Now it's going to be that much harder to get Paul Whelan out. And keep in mind, too, is that the Trump administration walked away from this deal. They were offered Paul Whelan for this arms dealer. And they said, no, it's too unequal. Yeah. And, and this guy's innocent and your guy's guilty. We yeah. got him on tape saying he's selling shoulder-fired missiles to take out U.S. helicopters. Yeah. And apparently some of the some of the deals he's done actually have led to the deaths of American citizens. And apparently this guy, you know, I don't suspect he's going to go sit in a dacha, uh, you know, on the uh, Black Sea. He may be deployed by uh, by the Kremlin to go into Ukraine and try to um, you know, straighten out that situation. That uh, doesn't uh, bode well for the Ukrainians we're trying to support over there. So, Dory, the other big story is uh, the tranche two with Twitter came out. Barry Weiss came out uh, and got the Twitter. And now we know there was a panel out there together to make sure conservatives were were squelched, not necessarily banned. But their voices would not be heard. They'd be prevented from trending. They would not be allowed to have uh, their views broadcasted far and wide. There was a trends blacklist, a search blacklist. There was a do not amplify when it came to Kirk, a search blacklist when it came to Dan Bongino. Is this a big deal? It is a big deal. You know, and and the point you make about uh, not necessarily squelching people but not amplifying them. I mean, this is literally like somebody giving a speech. And we say, all right, go ahead and talk. We're just going to turn off your microphone. So people in the first three or four rows can hear you, but not people in the balcony and people outside, just the folks very close to you. And this is what kind of what they do. You know, don't necessarily completely shut them down as they did the New York Post's uh, uh, Twitter page during the – uh, during the whole Hunter Biden laptop story that completely shut down the uh, Twitter page of the largest, I should say, the oldest newspaper in the country founded by none other than Alexander Hamilton. Uh, but this whole thing is, is uh, representative of what the left has done. They say, oh, we're for democracy. You know, we're here to protect democracy. These people are engaging in censorship, shutting down uh, people's uh, ability to communicate, uh, closing off the Hunter, uh, the Hunter Biden laptop, laptop story, attacking the free press, as I say, turning off the uh, Twitter page of the New York Post, abuse of power, having these FBI agents coming in once a week and having meetings about which stories they might uh, want to cover up. I mean, what is the FBI doing there? They're supposed to be tracking down uh, terrorists and, and bank robbers and uh, cyber thieves, and yet they're sitting down in Silicon Valley talking about you know which stories are supposed to be uh, out in the mix. Uh, and this, of course, is election interference. This uh, Hunter, Leip- Hunter Biden laptop uh, story was suppressed the last two weeks of October, which is exactly when people are deciding who to pick for president and often in case, in many cases voting early for president. And there's the FBI putting not just its, its finger or thumb, but its entire elbow down on the scale. Well, what happens? Uh, the FBI briefed about possible Russian disinformation, but right now we don't have the fingerprints of the FBI yet. The Biden campaign or the Biden administration, but you know they were out there trying to get rid of disinformation out on the Internet, uh, actually stopping guys like Ron Johnson for having his committee hearing put on YouTube. And now we have Jay Bacciara. Turns out that he was shadow banned and he was squelched. 
they say uh, a lot of times because SI has used technicality spam enforcement as a way to solve a problem created by safety under under enforcing their policies, which, again, isn't a problem per se, but it keeps us from addressing the root cause of the issue, which is our safety and policies need some attention. They thought that Jay Bacciara coming out saying don't wear masks and don't let little kids get uh, vaccines was a problem. He's cut five. From a public policy point of view, if if you look at what the government did, I suspect very strongly that there was some government direction of this. I've been involved with this lawsuit uh, that has been brought by the Missouri and Louisiana attorney general's offices against the Biden administration. And we've uncovered tremendous evidence that that there were federal agencies that were part, that were directing social media companies about what to censor, even who to censor. Now, uh, I, if that is actually the case, that, 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 that this blacklisting was directed by the government against American citizens, that's a direct violation of my civil rights. It's a direct violation of the First Amendment, and every American should be outraged. Absolutely. No, outrage is exactly the right word. Look, uh, Twitter is a private organization, and if they say, look, we don't really like Dr. J. Bhattachara, so we're not going to run his stuff or whatever. You know, I'm, I don't like that. They have a right to do it. But having uh, the government come in in any of these cases and say, look, you know, we don't like what Dr. Bhattachara is saying. We don't like what the New York Post is saying. We don't like what Brian Kilmeade or Dory Murdoch is saying, whoever it is, and therefore squelch this stuff. That's a total violation of the First Amendment. This is not why we are what our government ought to be doing. And the best way to handle speech with which you disagree is with other speech. So you find another doctor who says, oh, actually, masks are great. So you put on Dr. Fauci and say, you know, here's an interesting paragraph. Read this as an alternative. And then you debate. And especially when you're talking about medicine and science, the way we advance in medicine and science is – uh, Dr. A says one thing, Dr. B disagrees, and Dr. C says, well, actually, the, the, the true path is this one. That's how we get from uh, you know, dying of uh, smallpox uh, at age 10 or 12 to having a smallpox cure and having that entire disease go back into the rearview mirror by, uh, by, by scientific inquiry, not by telling Dr. A, oh, shut up. You know, don't let him talk. Cover his mouth. Dory Murdoch here from National Review. Um, Roy, we know that uh, the Republicans did not have the midterm they wanted. They got the House, but that's it. So what's their takeaway? They're talking about blowing up uh, uh, Ronna McDaniel. Should they? Uh, you know, I think it's a good idea to, to get new leadership. Um, I just heard, uh, interestingly enough, the idea of Lee Zeldin uh, coming in as uh, – uh, as RNC chief, I guess he's decided he's going to back off on that. I think that would be an improvement. Uh, Harmeet Dillon is somebody who's kind of interesting. I, I like her a lot about her, although unfortunately she believes what we ought to do is embrace early voting, embrace mail-in ballots and all this new stuff that the Democrats imposed on us during COVID as emer- temporary emergency measures. Now, of course, COVID's in the rearview mirror, but now these temporary measures have got to become permanent measures. Uh, there are a lot of legal reasons we ought to uh, oppose this. Uh, two federal statutes say that, the, that Election Day is the first Tuesday after the first Monday in November, this isn't just a habit or you know something that Abraham Lincoln you know muttered quietly to somebody. These are two different federal statutes, uh, two U.S. Code Section Seven, three U.S. Code Section One, and we ought to enforce that. And we ought to uh, go to court and say, look, all this early voting stuff, state by state, state by state. Uh, well, I, I think these are federal elections. I mean, I, I'm not a lawyer; I don't know exactly where you file the lawsuit, but um, this is a big problem. And I think there's a 14th Amendment problem because you know ballots that are 
cast different times of, of the year, some on election day, some of them as much as you know seven, eight weeks before that. You have an equal protection problem. So I think uh, what the GOP needs to go do is go into court and get rid of this stuff as best they can. If we lose ultimately in the Supreme Court, they say, nope, you got to live with early voting and mass mail-in ballots, then we will. We'll figure out how to do it. But rather than surrender, which unfortunately a lot of people want to do, I think we need to lawyer up and do our best to shut this garbage down. Right. And real quick, 10 seconds, DeSantis in front of Trump in the latest poll. you surprised? Oh, that's interesting. Well, uh, no, not, unfortunately, uh, you know, lately uh, President Trump has been saying a lot of odd things like, you know, terminating parts of the Constitution. Uh, so, you know, I wish he'd calm down. And also we can worry about 2024, maybe middle of next year rather than still in 2022. Oh, he's in already. Sorry, Dora. <laughs> you're going to have to write about it. Uh, Joy Murdoch, thanks so much. Fox News contributor, contributing editor with the National Review and so much more. Appreciate it. When we come back, Tom Coughlin joins us. He's on the precipice of going to the Hall of Fame. Two-time Super Bowl champ. Breaking news, unique opinions. Hear it all on the Brian Kilmeade Show. So they mark the ball inside the two, just outside the one. It's second down and goal with 51 seconds left, and the Redskins without a timeout. Play action. Campbell fires. The pass is low for Sellers. Now it's third and goal with 47 seconds left. Liddell Betts gets it and does not get in down to the one. Mitchell made a play. Kavika Mitchell, Portis on the sideline, Betts trips, goes down, and the defense for the Giants holds. So the Giants goal line stand against the Redskins. They open up 0-2. They hold on to beat the Redskins 24-17. They were down 17-3. That was the beginning of the turning point uh, that is all in Tom Coughlin's book. Uh, how the Giants uh, won that Super Bowl, one of the most uh, miraculous Super Bowls you'll ever see in your life. I was able to witness it and cover it. Uh, it's called Giants Win. The inside the New York Giants historic upset over the New England Patriots in Super Bowl, uh, Super Bowl. what was that, 47. Uh, with me right now is the coach, the former coach of the Giants and Jaguars, Tom Coughlin. Welcome back, Coach. Hey, Brian. How you doing? Good, good. Uh, I love the book. I mean, the minute it starts, it doesn't stop. It really brings me back to it. It almost looks like it was yesterday, those names. Even though it was just 2007, I had forgotten some of them. What about the, yeah. the having Eli Manning write the forward? What went into that? Well, Eli and I are connected at the hip. You know, at the end of, of 2006, uh, the media wanted me run out of town. They wanted me fired. And they were always skeptical of Eli and what he could do and what he couldn't do. And I think that uh, Eli was the perfect choice to introduce this, the Super Bowl 42 and 46, when he is the MVP of both games. He is. Uh, and what you guys went through together is pretty uh, remarkable. First off, on that Redskin game, was it a key moment for you? <laughs> yeah, we're 0-2. Remember now, I hired Steve Spagnuolo as my defensive coordinator, and we uh, we gave up 80 points in the first two games of the season. We're 0-2. So we go to Washington. Obviously, we we have to win. We're, 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 we're trying like heck not to stare into the headlights, but you know, we all know what the game's all about. And we're down at the half. We come roaring back. We take the lead. They've got a third and 13 from the 21-yard line. They throw a ball down to the one. There's about a minute to play. They rush down. They clock the ball. Then they huddle. They come out of the huddle. 
they, as you said right here, they throw play action pass incomplete. They call one run. They run it the same play twice without a huddle. It's to our defensive right, to their left. Kavika Mitchell makes the tackle on the first attempt, and up comes Aaron Ross for the tackle on the second attempt. We win the game, and our locker room's going crazy, and we win six in a row after that game. So one thing about you, Coach, especially in Jacksonville, you have a way of doing things. It's very disciplined. This is the way you do it. All the little details matter. Is it hard getting guys to buy in when you're not winning to such to something that requires such discipline? Well, you, it's hard to get guys to buy in anytime when you're not winning. Uh, winning is what the, the, the formula has got to get you to where you need to go. Uh, I always adjusted myself exactly to the circumstance that I was in. And if you can imagine Jacksonville starting an expansion team, you know, having, having guys from all over the league, an expansion draft, the regular draft, free agency, street free agency. And, you know, as Jeff Lagerman once said, you're not going to start out being tough on the second year. You're going to instill what you believe in and some toughness and some, some discipline and some physical and mental toughness. You better do it right away. And we did. And you established winning pretty quickly over there. Back to this uh, and Jeff Logman, the former first-round draft pick of the Jets, uh, who ended up being uh, a standout for you guys. Uh, the Giants against Dallas, 2007. We're going over that year. Uh, this is one of the key plays. Uh, Brandon Jacobs, cut 38. Jacobs is the tailback. Jacobs gets it and scores. Touchdown, Giants on fourth down. Clock running. Intercepted. Giants. McQuarters and the New York Giants are nine seconds away from advancing to the NFC Championship. You can't say enough about this Giants team and what they just accomplished and the way that they played and what they had to do at the end to win this game. And I know Jerry Jones and the rest of this organization is absolutely sick. Right. <laughs> Troy Aikman would know that. 21-17, yeah. the Giants go on to win. What was that game like for you? Well, that was a, an incredible football game because, you know, they'd beaten us twice during the regular season. But the thing you got to remember, Brian, no one, no one gave us a chance to win any games throughout the entire playoff. And I know you're an outstanding Fox crew of, of experts. Nobody picked us to win in Tampa from the Fox crew. Nobody picked us to win uh, in Dallas. No one in Green Bay and certainly no one in the Super Bowl. The game in Dallas was an outstanding game because we took the ball over uh, down 10-3 to 3 at, the, at our own, I think it was, 26-yard uh, line with, uh, no, with 46 seconds left in the half. Drove the ball down the field. Big play out of Kevin Boss. Touchdown to, uh, to Amani Toomer from Eli to tie the game 10-10 at the half. And that kind of uh, left a message for the, for the Dallas locker room because after the halftime, uh, the Giants just kept getting stronger and stronger. And as you just witnessed, the, the end of the game where uh, McCorders picked off a pass in the end zone to end that drive. So that was a huge win for us at that point in time, and it allowed us to advance to the NFC Championship game. Which brings us to the Packers uh, on the road. Uh, here you are. The Giants go in 23-20 in overtime. Here's the interception that nailed it. Cut 39. Second and eight. A blitz coming from the Giants. Favre looking for driver, and it's picked off. 
Intercepted by Webster. Corey Webster with the interception. 47-yard try, his longest attempt of the game. He has missed his last two, and he sent the Giants to the Super Bowl. The kick is good, and the Giants are going to the Super Bowl. How cold were you? What was that like when the ball went through for, for when Tynes hit it? Well, first of all, it's minus 24 degrees was the wind chill factor. And uh, to be honest, the second half, um, as I told uh, uh, Michael Strahan, I-, I didn't feel anything. And he said, of course not. You were frozen. <laughs> and I probably was. But uh, that was a, an incredible football game, a back and forth. But Eli and Plaxico Burris uh, threw and caught the ball like it was 75 degrees. We get the ball in overtime. Barb throws the interception. We really don't do anything with it offensively. It's fourth down. I'm standing there, and I had asked Lawrence Tynes in the first half if he thought he could kick a 46-yard field goal, and he turned and walked away from me. We had a missed field goal. We had a bad snap and thus another malfunction on a field goal right there in the fourth quarter, We, or we wouldn't have had to go to overtime. But we in overtime, I watched Lawrence Tynes. Lawrence, Lawrence Tynes throws his, his cape down, runs out on the field. I yell field goal. The coaches are all saying, Coach, be careful here. Look at the field position you're going to give the Packers if we don't make this, blah, blah, blah. Lawrence goes out and he kicks a, a ball that could have been good from 55 yards, and we advance to the Super Bowl. Yeah, and the thing is, you looked at the body language. You saw him throw down the cape. You watched him run out. That's what sold you because you have to know your players. Isn't that part of what you do, shaking everybody's hand before every game? I was able to go to probably maybe 10 games during your days, and I always yep. notice you walk up and down when they're stretching and you shake everybody's hand. That's a little bit of way you checking in that everybody matters too, right? No doubt. And I want to look them in the eye as best I can, have them look me in the eye and know where their commitment is and wish them the best of luck. Because let's face it, now it's time we've got to go out there and execute what we planned. You get to the Super Bowl, who are you playing? <laughs> the undefeated New England Patriots, who are 18-0 and at that time, who we played the Week 17. They beat us 38-35 in that, in that outstanding game um, to go 16-0. and So now we're going to play the Patriots in the Super Bowl. Uh, and uh, as I said, they're coming in 18-0. and They're the greatest scoring machine in the history of the National Football League. They're a legitimate football team. Their defense is fourth in the league. Their offense is number one in every category. They have the greatest quarterback in the history of the game. They have Bill Belichick, uh, unquestionably the, the, the best defensive mind in the history of, of professional football. And uh, the New York Giants come in 10-6. Uh, and six, and having gone through, we, we won 11 games on the road that year. We were, we were called the Road Warriors and for good reason. But what a great football game it was, and what a different game it was, Brian. 38-35 a few weeks before, and this one would be 17-14 and a great defensive struggle. I'll tell you, I was at the game, and I've covered about 22 Super Bowls, and I watched the way you guys were jumping around. Your defensive line was unstoppable. Strahan's confidence was through the roof because you guys played him hard in a game that really didn't matter. All these times people are mailing in the final week. You guys played him. And you must have walked away, my humble opinion as an outsider, 
thinking, I can compete with these guys. They may be historic, but not if we play them again. Here's the moment, cut 40, that everybody talks about the famed helmet catch uh, with uh, Tyree. Cut 40. Third down and five. Pressure from Thomas off the edge. Eli Manning stays on his feet, airs it out down the field. It is caught by Tyree inside the 25. Oh, my God. This ball's thrown, and Tyree just goes up for it like a basketball player. Harrison trying to knock it down. And Eli, man, I don't know how he got out of there. I thought he was on the ground, and, and then he came out of the pile and just slings it. That's a great catch. David Tyree David had dropped Tyree. everything in practice. They go on to win 17-14. Uh, and, and Eli went up to him after practice. You write in your book, Coach, and he said, you're going to have a big game on Sunday. Don't be down, right? I walked up to him and he said, I'll, we know you'll be there when it counts on Sunday, David. And that was Eli's way. And that, that's how Eli led. You know, if you, and I've been around some really great quarterbacks. Phil Sims was, you know, a captain of the team and led in his own way. Quarterbacks are too busy to be rah-rah guys. They don't, they don't walk around like that. They got a job to do and they perform it. But it's in little ca- cases like that where Eli asserts himself and right. takes a guy who – Got it. You know, had just had a miserable practice and pats him on the back and said, we know you're going to be there when we need you. A great book. Tom Coff, congratulations. Giant win inside the New York Giants historic upset of the New England Patriots in the Super Bowl. Thanks, Coach. Hope you're in the Hall of Fame soon. If you're interested in it, Brian's talking about it. You're with Brian Kilmeade. I've said it before. I'll say it again. <laughs> that mask is a Democrat's MAGA hat. That's what they're doing. Interesting. The, the fact that she thinks she needs to wear that, for sure that lady is boosted and tested. There's going to be videos that we look at in the future that we're going to hear the, the mouth oh, yeah. like behind. The, we're going to go, what the f***? That time and place. Do. It'll really mark a time. Dude, yes. in the Bay, everyone's hiking with masks. Wide alone. Ah! It's just like they're still holding on to it. It is a badge of honor. Mm. Yeah. It's hilarious. It's a masquerade. It's hilarious. And if everybody else is that doing it. That was your best it, one. That was a pretty good one. Ah. <laughs> it might have if been your best one. everybody's doing it, you feel like you have to do it. Or you're a piece of shit. Uh, so welcome, everybody. That is Joe Rogan. And what was he referring to, Allison? I was just in one of his, um, his recent podcasts just talking about how, you know, he's always said, if you're wearing the mask, essentially it's like a Republican wearing a MAGA hat. It's just Democrats. It's like they're way to be like, look at me. I'm so great. I'm protecting you. It's unbelievable. I have just the opposite. He just told you a total wuss. By, if you don't have any underlying condition or anything like that, you're in the prime of your life and you're wearing a mask, uh, you are really not engaging in society. You're Howard Stern. Let's find out if there's more to know. More to know. All right, Disney, guess what, is announcing a price hike. I was there about a year ago. Nothing was working. Nothing was working. Like and what? Like rides and whatnot? Rides were working. People being busted off lines after waiting for an hour. Now they're going to have uh, Disney's Animal Kingdom uh, between $109 to $159. Hollywood Studios, $124 to $179. Magic Kingdom, $124 to $189. So you want these passes over $1,300, 100% increase, $100 increase. Uh, Sorcerer, Pirate, Pixie, all uh, one of which has no increase. Here's the thing. It's a middle classification. You lose the middle working class... You lose. I mean, but it's not anymore. I mean, like we've yet to go with the kids, but they're like it's going to be at least ten grand to go with a lot of kids. 
Next, Disney is raising its prices by $3 a month and launching a cheaper ad-supported tier. I'm talking about Disney+. Plus. That has been good for them. they got to get some original content. Uh, Mandalorian, I don't know, is that, is that a kid's movie? Loki, they saw the cost of an ad-free uh, tier increase from $7.99 to $10.99. So if you want to go see that stuff, you can do it. Next, bad news. Aerosmith announced on a social media platform that its last two Las Vegas residency concerts have been canceled. Turns out Steven Tyler is not feeling well. Uh, on the advice of doctors, Steven has decided to sit this out. Stay healthy. We'll see you in a new year, the group wrote. In May, the band announced a Vegas residency dates in June and July. They were canceled due to Tyler's relapse. Is he doing drugs? Well, what they're going to say that, um, you know, he's worked on sobriety for many years and then after foot surgery to prepare for the stage and uh, the necessity of pain management during the process, he has recently relapsed and voluntarily entered a treatment program to concentrate on his health and recovery. Man, he's older, too. I mean, he's like 70. He's still doing drugs, man. Next. Uh, The Grinchiest Place of All During the Holidays. Two-thirds of Americans say it's your local shopping mall. They did a survey. 64% think the mall's shopping centers induced the most stress during the winter months with airport second uh, and post office the third. Uh, Crowd, 60%. uh, Long lines, 53%. And noise, 52% among things that bother people the most. I actually think malls are good because malls, you get everything done. I just don't think people are going to malls like they used to. I guess if you're a good mall, yeah. But you know those media malls? They're dead. The mall by, uh, by my house was a great mall. Is basically Costco, Dick's Sporting Goods. I don't even know. Uh, what's the other one? I, I mean, I don't even know what else. That made Macy's retail. The rest of the place is just where mall walkers go to get in shape. <laughs> where, where impractical jokers go to do their skits. I do know, like a lot of the sort of the older malls, they they are in reinventing themselves. I think someone was telling me. In one of the ones in New Jersey, it's like a giant gym downstairs, and they have these yeah, other gym there. different activities. Do you want to, to go do. to the mall to go to the gym? Go well, to the no, mall? it's just how they're using the space now because people weren't going to the malls. When was the last time you were at a mall? Other than for a book signing. <laughs> yeah, for a book signing. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I would. I have nothing against going to a mall because our hours allow you to go to mall on off hours. So it's kind of good. Uh, next, the other story that I wanted to share with you, uh, Wordle is 2022's top Google search item uh, above uh, both Ukraine and the and the Queen, who died, obviously. So that according to the Washington Post. Does that surprise you? I never even played Wordle. I have not either, but many people are obsessed with it. Um, but I know just it's not something the two of us are looking for the first thing in the morning. <laughs> we have uh, other things. Wordle to is a daily vocabulary game similar to uh, Jotto or Mastermind, in which users are given six guesses to figure out the word of the day. All players get the same word and can play only once per day, obviously. And it's a big deal. You can't, like, if you get it, you can't, like, tell your friends it. That's, I know that goes against the code of ethics. All right. And lastly, one in five young American deaths attributed to excessive alcohol. I'm talking about ages 20 to 49. 12.9% of all deaths per year among adults between 20 and 20 and 64 were due to excessive alcohol consumption. Uh, excessive booze accounted for 20.3% of deaths. And a lot of people will be drinking a lot during the holidays this year. So make sure you uh, call an Uber or have a friend to look out for you. And don't die. Uh, thanks so much. I'll see everybody in St. Louis tonight. KFTK listeners, I want to see each and every one of you. Overflow available.
from the Fox News Podcasts Network. Subscribe and listen to the Trey Gowdy Podcast. Former federal prosecutor and four-term U.S. congressman from South Carolina brings you a -a one-of-a-kind podcast. Subscribe and listen now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com. Listen to the show ad-free on Fox News Podcast Plus, on Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music with your Prime membership, or subscribe wherever you get your podcasts.